No, Rose, you're wrong. Kendall shook his head. Even then, we were fighting for different reasons. Remember, I've been down south visiting just recently, and I know what I'm talking about. It is a different country with different ideas, accepted rules, traditions, he continued. You'll find, if you're headstrong enough to go through with this ridiculous notion, that it will be like living in a place where no one speaks your language. Mark my words, Rose, it's not just that I don't want to lose you. I don't want to see you lose yourself. If you marry Malcolm Montrose, you'll live to regret it. Rose was startled by Kendall's vehemence. John had warned her that it might be difficult to explain her decision to the enamored young man. But Rose had confidently replied, Oh, Kendall will understand. Still, Kendall obviously did not understand. For the first time, Rose became aware that what she had considered only a pleasant friendship had meant more, gone much deeper with him. She had liked Kendall more than any of John's Harvard friends, that is, until the weekend her brother brought Malcolm Montrose home for a visit. Almost from the beginning, Rose had felt a strong attraction for the tall, soft-spoken Virginian. It was mutual and had moved quickly from interest to affection to love. The kind of love Rose had often dreamed of, but had never dared to believe would be hers. They had learned, almost at once, that they shared many interests in common, a love of nature, philosophy, and literature. They had taken long walks together, held lengthy discussions on every subject, watched sunsets and strolled through the quiet, winding country lanes around Milford, more and more absorbed in each other's company, lost in each other's words, eventually completely in love. Malcolm was quite the handsomest man Rose had ever known, but it was his gracious manners, gentle humor, and more than that, his poet's soul that endeared him most to Rose. For his part, Rose knew that Malcolm not only considered her beautiful, but also commented that her keen mind, her vivid imagination, and unconscious charm both awed and delighted him. That she could articulately discourse on the subjects that intrigued him was a cause for endless pleasure. Indeed, they often explored the new philosophies together. Transcendentalism, pantheism, the essays of Emerson, and other noted preachers of the day. Rose had been well-educated in a private academy that offered a curriculum for young women comparable to Malcolm's at Harvard. She had, therefore, studied French, Latin, history, botany, and even geometry and astronomy. Theirs was, Rose was positive, a match made in heaven. She and Malcolm, in spite of misgivings others might have, were absolutely sure they were destined for each other, and nothing this passionate young legal student could say could convince her otherwise. Rose, I beg you to reconsider, Kendall pleaded. There is nothing to reconsider, she said gently. I love Malcolm. None of your arguments can change my mind on that. Then nothing matters, he said dejectedly. There is nothing left for me.
Oh, Kendall, my dear, dear friend, at least wish me happiness. Kendall shook his head, the firm lips compressed. I can't, I won't. He struggled before he burst out impulsively. I can't because I love you. I want you for myself. With that, Kendall stepped forward. Taking Rose's face between his hands, he kissed her on the mouth, at first gently, almost sorrowfully, then with a firmer pressure and finally with a fierce intensity. Rose pushed her small hands against his chest, forcing him to release her. Breathless and shaken by this unexpected display of emotion, she gazed at him, speechless. Kendall dropped his head, saying brokenly, Forgive me, Rose. I shouldn't have done that. Then he turned.